0: This episode is brought to you by Iconic Luxury Streetwear. Iconic Luxury Streetwear is a multidisciplinary experiment founded by the Tava Brothers, established in 2020. A clothing brand that has a thesis of a vision birthed to reality rooted in God created all in his image. Get your merchandise at IconicLuxuryStreetwear.com. What's up everybody welcome to a brand new episode called iconic conversation which is a countercultural podcast that brings together innovators community builders world changers for authentic dialogue on the human experience and today i have a wonderful guest for the first episode she is a doctor, a surfer, a surfer, and somebody who is doing some very incredible work with art- leveraging artificial intelligence and a kinesiology. I have the pleasure and honor to have Dr. Rosie Sender. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Tanaka. Well, thank you for having me on. I'm honored to be your first guest on this uh, on this version of your podcast, right? So thank mm-hmm. you,
0: Yes, 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 yes. So for anybody that doesn't know about Iconic Conversations, I want to give a little bit of context. It first started out as a podcast in the basement of Bailey University, um, where I started in college interviewing people, my friends, my colleagues, and then after that, it turned to its scene you know, of its own. So now this is the rebrand. And I, after we got connected, because you know you're doing your um, fundraising, mm-hmm. I just thought, hey, you would be perfect for this because I just want to be able to bring the stories of people who have trailed up, um, have blazed a trail. And so I just wanted to make sure that, Hey, you get some highlight. I have a platform. You're doing some dope stuff. So yeah.
1: Okay. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, no, I had a, a, you know, our first meeting, it was, uh, it was, it was a fun conversation. I mean, obviously it was about business, but we were able to kind of go beyond that and have some philosophical, uh, conversations. And I always enjoy those. So um, I guess we're going to continue it here.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. So now, my first question for you is, yes, introduce yourself. What is your name, your occupation, whatever you do. But I want you to go all the way back. Who is Rosie?
1: Uh, oh, we're getting into the deep questions right away. Okay.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, okay, so so Rosie Sender, I, I I live in Santa Cruz, California right now. Uh, I'm a practicing orthopedic surgeon part-time, uh, but also currently a co-founder and CEO of uh, Kinesi. And Kinesi is a startup uh, along with my co-founders, Dr. Faisal Mirza and Manu Chatterjee. You know, basically, we, we're all about ANO monitoring precision knee joint health and elite athletes using wearable uh, AI analytics. But going to who Rosie is, so I'm I'm assuming sort of like my core being is what you're asking, right? Okay. Yes. Uh, Okay. Well, uh, so I guess at my core, uh, I'm a curious person, I'm adventurous, um, I'm motivated by intellectual pursuits. but I'm also a very, uh, I'm a compassionate, empathetic, but very spiritual person as well. And I, I think that manifests itself in my desire to help people, whether it's through my skills as a physician or, or really any other way that's needed.
0: Yeah. Well, that was very, very deep.
1: Well, you asked me to go there, so I went.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. And I I just want you to go. I mean, thank you for sharing. I want you to go a little bit deeper. Mm -hmm. How were you able to be able to get that understanding of who who you are in your car? Like, what was the process for you in order to be able to get to that point to be able to now answer that answer that answer that question confidently?
1: Well, I, it's life experiences, right? And being faced with challenges throughout my life. And so I, I you know, I've, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting because, um, you know, yeah, there's the schooling side of things, right? Where I've obviously uh, gone through and had been able to pursue my inter- intellectual curiosity and, and sort of learned about my love of learning, I guess, right? But also I think in terms of um, the other sides of me, where when I was talking about being a compassionate, empathetic and more spiritual person, that really comes from other life experiences. I I just grew up in a very spiritual household that was just, you know, meditated since I was like a little kid. And, you know, just the focus of the way uh, I was raised was from a more spiritual perspective. And then just having, a lot of grace and empathy for people uh, uh, growing up, right? And, you know, did a lot of volunteer work growing up and and uh, and then just have, going through my own life challenges, right? You know, everybody goes through tough times. And so you learn a lot about yourself through those tough times, especially if you're willing to look at yourself um, in a way that, you know, you you're trying to learn more about uh, that. Uh, learn more about that experience. What that experience is teaching you, right? And sometimes, you know, when when you're going through a tough time or you're trying to reflect, it can be a pretty painful experience, right? But mm. but it allows you to learn who you really are. And then when you learn who you really are, you have so much clarity about life. You know who you are. You know the right decisions to make for yourself. And, and then you just come to a peace within who you are and, and, and the decisions you make going forward. So I think that's why I'm able to confidently answer that is just the culmination of the experiences that I've had, the challenges that I had, but taking the time to also really reflect and learn from each and every one of those experiences, good and bad.
0: Mm. Wow, that was very powerful um, and very meta Mm -hmm. Uh, The fact that you were able to articulate that so well. I mean, going through my own life, I'm just thinking about how, you know, like, I feel like the world right now is really trying to, well, my generation is trying to run Mm -hmm. away from pain.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: but you know, when you read philosophical texts, when you read spiritual texts, whether it's the Bible or Zen Buddhism or the Gutka or anything like that, there's an emphasis of how there's a beauty in the pain and there's beauty in the suffering because on the other side of suffering is a bliss, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is so ironic. <laughs> and right. so what type of, okay, what specifically, what's challenge that you face in your life um, that stood out to you and made the most impact on you today?
1: Oh, that's a tough one. Um,
0: <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, you know, the thing is, you can, all, you can basically divide that up, right? There's going to be challenges in your personal life there'll be challenges like i could say in my school life there's challenges in in my work life right so yeah you know, to say which one is the toughest sometimes the personal experiences are you know usually the toughest right you know there's right. there's a different emotional component to them and sometimes it, it forces you to go in a lot uh, deeper and, and you know work through some Uh, processes that might be a little bit more uh, painful Mm -hmm. and stuff. So um, yeah, that's, that's a, uh, that's a tough one. Um, Let's see. I would say that, you know, growing up was, you know, there were some challenges definitely growing up. Uh, I lived in an area where there was a, you know, a little bit more overt racism, I would say, and, and sort of, and bullying and stuff. And, um, and, and that definitely has like, uh, you know, an impact. It's a little bit more challenging to kind of get through. But, but the great thing about, you know, being able to kind of look at it from a different perspective and not just from the, you know, those moments of feeling sort of insecure and, 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 uh, and in pain, what i you know you, you you can get you can learn a lesson out of that too i, can, I mm-hmm. guess so i i would say that you know i've had i have really supportive parents right and who really just encouraged me to believe in myself and you can accomplish anything that you want and again being that it was a, a much more sort of a spiritual kind of upbringing um i think what that allowed me to do is learn not to seek validation externally. Mm. So I learned to seek validation from within. It comes from me, you know, and, 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 and obviously that's helped by my spiritual practice for sure immensely. And then, the, you know, another challenge I could say that, um, occurred was more from the work life part. Right. And, uh, I'm not sure if you've noticed, but I don't look like the typical orthopedic surgeon.
0: Right. Right. (laughs) Clearly. Uh,
1: Yeah. I'm a petite, uh, female. Right. And, uh, and so there is, there are biases and preconceived notions, right. That, um, as a female and a small one, I just wouldn't be able to hack it. So I always had to work harder to prove that I belong there Mm. and it's getting better in some ways, but it's still a very male dominated field. And now I've also seen that at times in my current entrepreneurial role. Uh, And, and so this is where you just have to have a firm belief, like in yourself, right? So I have a firm belief in myself and my abilities, and that's what helps me rise above any doubts, all that extra noise. just execute my goals. So like, anytime you're going through challenges, you have to know your power, and you have to stand comfortably in your power.
0: Mm. It is so when you know your power, one, I just want to say thank you so much for sharing, because that's very practical, Mm -hmm. especially on the tip of that self belief, Mm -hmm. and understanding that we cannot change the perceptions of People, what they think of us, mm-hmm. but when we have a good feeling of who we are in the inside, mm-hmm. it then is able to reflect, and that's how we move, and that's how we have our power. Mm-hmm. So, whenever you were in these professional settings, mm-hmm. what did you specifically do when somebody was intimidated by your power? Like, how was navigating the workplace or just in life in general when some people are intimidated by that?
1: another good question. <laughs> uh, so um, how do I navigate when people are intimidated? You know, I just think I approach everything by just being me, like, mm. I, you know, I am a very sort of open person, I talk to anybody, I will try to make other people feel comfortable. I, I just literally, um, I come with authenticity to, uh, t- uh, to you know, everybody that I work with and, and everything that I do, right. And so I would hope that that doesn't uh, cause people to be intimidated by me. But then, at the same time, I can't help it if they are, I can only do, you know, I need to just do my job, get things done and and make the environment around me comfortable and pleasant to work when uh, work in. But that's as much as I can do. If somebody else is intimidated by by that, then that's not something that I can help, right? Um, so, uh, you know, you just have to you just have to just keep moving forward and and just figure out a way to communicate effectively uh, to make sure that you know um, whoever you're working with, like you can you can try to um, execute what needs to get done without a lot of extra noise. Yeah. -hmm.
0: Wow. I'm just taking them second just to sit in Mm that because in life it's it's really easy sometimes to just succumb to ourself Mm -hmm. and like try to make other people too comfortable where we don't where we hide our authenticity and we hide Mm -hmm. our light. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And when do you feel like you came to that point where you're like, you know what, I'm good. I'm being my full authentic self.
1: Well, that's an evolution, right? Uh, So uh, I think growing up, I felt I, you know, was very clear on who I was and, you know, where I was going in life. Right. And then as I was you know, going through my academic career and just through some other life challenges, there was a point where I, I felt I kind of lost myself a little bit, right? And, and, uh, and lost what was important to me. And was I truly living my authentic life? You know, what, what makes me happy? What, what uh, um, sustains me? Um, and, you know, there was a, sometimes life forces you into a situation or provides an opportunity for you, so you can uh, you can learn more about yourself, right, and mm-hmm. and and get back on a path where you can live your authentic self. And so, for me, what ended up happening was after going through all my training, you know, med school, orthopedic residency, two surgical fellowships, uh, I had an opportunity to go live in Hawaii. Yeah. For a few months a year before I started my practice, you know, and here in Bay Area, California. And so I took that opportunity and what happened and, and people thought I was crazy for doing it. Yeah. I was literally, like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you know, like my uh, staff and were like, it has really like lost her mind. And, but you know, I, I lived there. I, I went surfing every day. I, Just went from 100 miles an hour, just, you know, full on training school to literally five miles an hour. Right. But just having the time to rediscover who Rosie is, you know, Mm. and and what also happened during that time was I met a few incredible people that that allowed me to see a way of life and also just in their conversations with me allowed me to rediscover who i was and what i wanted my life to look like because for a while i think i was on a bit of a you know like sort of that hamster wheel right you sort of right. from you know one like I, I was just going through all my training and then i okay i'm gonna have to have this type of job and this type of setting but that time allowed me to actually reassess or uh, reassess all my ideas and and actually clarified, I wasn't living the way that I would want to live. I wasn't living in a way that is authentic to Rosie. And so mm-hmm. that, that opportunity, even though it seemed crazy to everybody else, it was the best thing for me because it allowed me to reprioritize certain, you know, other things in life. And then, so when I came to practice in California, it was a much different scenario than I actually imagined. You know, it allowed me to go on a path now that I feel is much more authentic to my true nature, you know, and you can go back to the beginning of this podcast when you asked me what my core being is. So I'm, I'm living more, uh, I'm living more like that now.
0: Mm, in alignment. Wow.
1: Mm-hmm. Dang that,
0: that, that. Oh, this is good. This is really, really good. And man. I think everybody I, that I resonate a lot with what you said,
1: because
0: mm-hmm. I mean, of course, I'm 23, I don't know anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of felt the same experience in terms of after I graduated college, I got into my dream grad school, and of course, you know, everybody's asking what's next. I started a little company and was wondering to see what's going to happen with that, and you know I wasn't necessarily feeling I was on the right track, and, and I just told everybody yo honestly actually i did not tell everybody but i told my core group i'm not going to go to usc mm-hmm. even though i talked about it even though i was like yo this is it this is the thing i wanted to do mm-hmm. um because honestly i was trying to go to usc as a way as a cop out mm-hmm. because I, I was involved with a significant partner shout out to her she's amazing she changed mm-hmm. my life mm-hmm. but i was only going to because of that pressure because everybody was asking me what's next Right, and I know deep down inside, I didn't want to go to grad school. well, now mm-hmm. I'm about to start my master's program, but like at that time, I was burnt out from everything mm-hmm. that I was involved in and being all over the place and whatever, and mm-hmm. then I decided to go on a little sabbatical and my mm-hmm. own spiritual journey um and diving deeper into the meditation, diving deeper into my belief of as a Christian, but like most importantly. I just lost my way and I was lost in the sauce. You know, people were seeing me like doing all this cool stuff. But inside, I wasn't fulfilled. Mm-hmm. It was empty. Mm-hmm. And when I went through the sabbatical of journey and just going through things and writing and understanding that most of the time when we're looking for something on the outside, you know, the answer is so corny, but the answers really do lie within
1: Exactly. I know. That's the thing. It is corny. And, you know, and I think that's why it's one of those things where you're sort of like, it seems like such an obvious thing to say, really get to know yourself, but you would be surprised at how many people actually do not know themselves, right? Because doing the work to know yourself can sometimes be a pretty hard process you know, and it can bring up things that you don't maybe don't want to face or, you know, uh, so uh, I don't know, I've just come across a lot of people that I think don't really know who they are, or what they want in life or, you know, and, and that's, uh, that makes life actually a lot harder when Mm. you know who you are, what drive like, decisions for me now, are actually much easier. I don't I don't hem and haw about things. Uh, you know, it's, um, I mean, I'm not gonna say about everything, but just, just in general, like, whereas before I might've had some anxiety around a decision did I do, am I, am I making the right decision for myself or, but now, now that like, I know myself, there's much more clarity, uh, and peace internally that I just know the right decision. Like, I just know what the right next step is, you know, and, Mm -hmm. but that, that comes with a lot of work. That, that comes with a lot of, like, breaking yourself down and then rebuilding yourself up.
0: Mm. Wow. Yeah. And then so now with that, I'm going to pivot a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you are really in touch with your spiritual journey and you've done a lot of work. And mm-hmm. then typically you are an embodiment of what it means to be countercultural.
1: Mm-hmm. You
0: live a such a holistic lifestyle. You're vegan and you're somebody that is able to put your priority of health and holistic wellness in your life how are you able to navigate the Western medicinal world and being able to integrate some of that lifestyle whenever you're trying to teach it to your patients where in this, over here in the West, it's always like, hey, you need pop some pills, you mm-hmm. need surgery, you need mm-hmm. this, mm-hmm. where, you know, you're more aware of where the natural, the herbs and all that stuff. What's the, where's the, how do you find the balance and where do you make sure that the balance is for your patients?
1: Right, right. Well, you know, mm-hmm. I have always been able to meld both Western and Eastern philosophies when it comes to uh, health and maintaining health, right? And so I grew up, like, so my parents are originally from India. So I was born and raised in Canada, you know, so yeah, so pretty much mired in the Western world, for sure. But they originally came from India. And so we always growing up uh, had, you know, the um, education, around uh, like Ayurvedic medicine. And mostly, it it was mostly around preventative, like healthcare, there was, uh, that was something that was um, really taught to us as we were growing up, right? And, And that's really like Eastern medicine is really more about Prevention rather than treating a disease after it's already happened, right? Mm. So, so I grew up with like the concept of Ayurvedic medicine and also yoga, like we did, and meditation, like we did that as a family together. So I was like, wow. it was a very different sort of upbringing, right? But then at the same time, I appreciate a lot of, um, western medicine as well like certainly you know just what i do surgery i mean it's amazing like you know what you're able to um you know like for orthopedics like you can give somebody their mobility back you know it's it's just just on that sort of um bigger picture but you know i so i so i have um respect and i have a um appreciation for both Western and Eastern philosophies. So uh, and it it just coming from the experiences that I uh, that I grew up with. And so now with patients, I really, uh, even though obviously, most patients are going to come to me because, you know, something's broken, and I got to fix it, right. But then I also try to take the time to actually educate on sort of preventative health care as well, because I think that's extremely important, because there's a lot of issues that we're dealing with here in the Western world in terms of illnesses that uh, you don't necessarily even have to get to this uh, point, right? Um, if you have, uh, if you have, I would say more of an emphasis on prevention, you know, rather than uh, like more education and emphasis right. on prevention, right? Things like diabetes, things like, you know, high blood pressure, like some some of those kind of things. There are some things that are just unavoidable, right? They, they, they happen, they happen, right? But there are a lot of medical issues that uh, we could probably better control if people were more educated about um, leading a more healthy, holistic, preventative um, from a preventative uh, um, uh, uh, from a prevention, I should say, standpoint. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I rambled a bit there, but hopefully.
0: No, 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 no. no. That that was perfect.
1: <laughs>
0: because. I've been thinking about a lot about health mm-hmm. and um I'm a, you know I'm a former athlete and from there preventative health is I wish it was talked about more here in the west. I was listening to a podcast especially when it was talking about like the state of where we are, you know, the United States
1: mm-hmm. is
0: number 2 in obesity. Mm-hmm. Um high high levels, of, high statistics in cardiac arrest. Mm-hmm. Young children with mental health, mental illness, mm-hmm. depression, mm-hmm. and opioid crisis. There's a lot. You're right. There's a lot going on. There's
1: a lot going on.
0: Right? Uh, <laughs> what do you think is are some like practical steps for um, young people in order to start taking better away uh, for their health?
1: Ah, uh, practical steps. I mean, it all starts by you know educating yourself. Like at the you know that's that's sort of the the first step. But you know the, even the basics, just eating healthy, learning what it means to eat healthy, right? Um, smoking, yeah, you know, the, uh, exercise. Uh, th- those th- those are just some basic things that you know if you incorporate. Uh, some of those basic elements in your life, uh, you're already doing a great job right from there, right? But uh, but it all comes back to you, you actually have to know about this, you have to educate yourself, you have to um, find whatever resources you need to help yourself. And then some of it's also related to mental health too, right? If you're not taking care of your physical health, it's uh, yeah, a lot of times there is a relation to your mental health. So that also needs to be taken care of. So there needs to be support systems for people, access to, you know, um, uh, access to adequate uh, mental health um, uh, mental health care as well. So uh, you know, part of it is it has to become part of the uh, the cultural uh, uh, conversation, I guess. You know, or it has to it has to just come from not only to the individual, but I think it has to become an important enough issue for the society at large. Right. Mm. Um, and then, and that will just trickle down into obviously like a healthier populace, like less resources being, uh, demanded on healthcare and, and, I, you know, so, yeah, so, um, so I, I think it's kind of both. It takes a village as well as right. it takes the involvement of the individual themselves, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, but it just it first start with education and, and awareness. And
0: do you feel like we're undereducated or we're overeducated? Because we have all this access to information. What do you feel like it's? Where's the disconnect from your point of view?
1: So that's that's a hard one because I I think it's different groups and different um, I, I think some people have enough education and some people obviously don't I mean I see that in practice in general I'd be you, you'd be surprised by you know um, what I think are basic principles in terms of managing your health There's a lot of people that actually don't know you know and so so. Um, And it it seems to be somewhat uh, involving, you know, perhaps like socioeconomic status, like sort of your education as you're growing up, where you live, you know, um, there's a lot of different factors. uh, But I think that, you know, maybe also just from our healthcare model alone, Mm -hmm. the emphasis needs to move in the direction of being a more preventative healthcare system rather than we just treat the disease as it happens. So that's the model right now where, you know, and so, you know, there isn't the same sort of incentive necessarily, right. To um, spend the amount of time you need to with patients or with people to educate them on, um, you, you know, educate them appropriately, right. On, on maintaining their health. And so I mean, there's a lot, there's definitely a lot there. Uh, and uh, that's a whole podcast and it's like an episode in of itself. Yeah. But, but, you know, like, I, I think it's access to resources. Uh, I think it's education, you know, and I think the model of healthcare that we have today is more, is not focused as much on prevention as it could be, you know, to help uh, the uh, populace in, in general, maintain a more healthy lifestyle. Mm.
0: My next question for you typically is, yes, like these bigger questions. And you kind of answered it in a way where you would like to see the model change in America. But um, for honestly, this is a question that's been on my mind a lot as I've been working in my professional career and just seeing the current changes um, in terms of like, you know, for women and women's rights and all that stuff, what can men do in this day and age to support women? Like how can we do a better job of advocating for the woman in whatever capacity?
1: Uh, Hmm. So, yeah, that's, um, that's another, uh, that's another big topic.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know I asked all these big questions, but
1: (laughs) each each one of these questions could be an episode. (laughs) No, no. um, So, you know, that, so I guess that's like, So support is the big thing, right? But, you know, wanting to be the support and, and. Hmm. That's a hard one, actually. Um, she me stop for there for a second. Um,
0: You're just going to take your time to answer, mm-hmm. no rush Because I know like this is a big question because I mean, like. What does support look like? How can we do better? Because yeah. I know just um, whether it's the, the rude awakening for it for me was um, during my sophomore year, I was taking a leadership class mm-hmm. and this leadership class is just talking about, okay, the statistics of women in leadership positions and, you know, in addition to that, we were supposed to read a paper and we could choose different electives within that paper. And then I was wondering, okay, what does woman leadership look like? You know, because I have a lot of great female friends and female mm-hmm. mentors who pour into me mm-hmm. and um, just listening to their experience. And, you know, the typical thing is like, hey, I, I, yeah, of course I support women. I love my mom. I love my sister. I love my grandmother. Mm-hmm. But I remember when I went up to my friend, Um, who was like a crazy, dope student leader Mm -hmm. and now doing amazing stuff. She's going to get her MBA at Johns Hopkins. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I remember I came there and I'm like, yo, we don't support women. Men don't support women. I don't support women. (laughs) And it was like that rude awakening and that wretched in my heart. I'm like, ugh. And it's like, nowadays, it's just like, all right, cool. We got, we moved past the finally being like an unconscious. Now it's time to put into practical action. How can I support my sisters? Right. Um, you know, and especially now being in venture capital, one of my main things uh, like I, my value system is like, what I want to see is more woman founders, um, more people of color founders and minorities. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to do that through Deal flow, giving them resources, give them access and also actively listening to them and being able to understand and be um, compassionate with their trials and their tribulations and hopefully find community. Because of course, you know, I will never understand the experience of what it means to be a woman and understanding how, Women in the healthcare space have been disregarded, whether it's on the professional track, like within going into medicine, or also as a patient. Most of the time, they're not given as much attention, or they're just not treated well. Yeah. And I'm well, just wondering, like, you know, how can we do that better?
1: Yeah. So I, I just think going back from my experiences, I I, I feel that women like. Y- they tend to get, gen- it, people tend to, like men tend to generalize, right? And that's just what I've seen. And, you know, in terms of, um, there's already preconceived notions or biases that, you know, this is maybe not an area for women, or a woman uh, may not be able to handle it, right? Not necessarily looking uh, at each woman as an individual capable person. Right. But it's like, you know, so it's, it's one to try to get rid of biases, to try to get rid of sort of your preconceived notions about the person that is in front of you. Right. Okay. Yeah. She's a woman, but um, maybe look past that exterior. What is she capable of getting done? Right. And so like, from my experiences, like for example, in orthopedics, again, they're about in North America. And so us Canada is probably between six to 8% of, uh, orthopedic surgeons are women. Mm -hmm. I was the only woman in my whole residency program. So there was a different type of pressure because already, you know, you feel like there's a weight on your shoulders, uh, that you have to work a little bit harder to prove that you belong there. Right. Mm -hmm. But I, but that burden was on me because I had to prove to these men that I belong there. But if some of the but if they were able to uh, not put me in a box, so, you know, she's a woman, but so she's going to be uh, she's not you know, she's not going to be able to do this, this and this because she's a woman uh, that 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 has to that has to. Just be something that you kind of throw out right so so th- that's one of the things that i would sort of like to see changed right there's actually a pretty good quote uh and so it's um by claire booth luce she's um she's an american writer she's a politician you know back in the day but she had this quote that i really like because i thought it really fit um my experiences but she said because i'm a woman i must make unusual efforts to succeed if i fail no one will say, she doesn't have what it takes. They will say, women don't have what it takes, right? So then there's an extra pressure, right? So sort of feel like, not only do I need to succeed for myself, but I also need to prove that women belong in the same spaces as men, you know, and that they they are capable of, they are uh, capable of performing. I'm seeing this currently, like I said, in, the, in this new entrepreneurial role as well and being, you know, founder and then the C-suite and, you know, I I still see men coming with preconceived notions that, oh, you know, uh, there are a lot of men that are supportive and that's great, but then uh, you can, you can sort of see, you know, some of the guys that are a little uncomfortable, you know, seeing a woman Mm -hmm. in the position. and the things that I sometimes hear are like, yeah, but, you know, it's, 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 it's tough. It's, uh, you know, you, you have to have a lot of grit, you have to have a lot of tenacity, you have to have a lot of perseverance. I mean, God, most of the women I know have all of that, right? Mm -hmm. And, And I, and for me, I've already done it. I've already gone through orthopedics. So this next role in this entrepreneurial role is it's not, to me, it's not something that I'm afraid of. It's like, you know, I've, I've already proven that, um, You know, I know how to work hard and and persevere and and find a way to execute goals. Right. Um, But I would just like to see different biases and then just look at the person in front of them as just the person in front of them. Not, you know, not that that she's a woman. And so therefore, she must be, you know, a, a particular way.
0: Yeah. That's really good. Mm-hmm. And then in addition to that, you are a woman of color. And then mm-hmm. most of the time, um, women of color are not even disregarded. So how are, are, how are you, I don't want to say how are you doing and creating a more equitable space for those people, but like what in general, like in the general broad sense, what can um, the system to do better and make sure that there's more emphasis on them getting the proper healthcare and as well as more, um, you know, seats in the room?
1: Well, so, so that's, yeah. You know, so you're kind of talking a little bit more about equity now, right? So yeah. um, ultimately it, it takes awareness and work, right? And educating yourself uh, about systemic inequalities that won't allow for some group of people to meet this, um, the same opportunities or, you know, have the same outcomes. So, you know, socioeconomic status, race, gender, all of that can be affected by resources, by limited resources, right? Whether it's economic connections, education and stuff. But I also just want people to like realize at the same time, it's not an absolute barrier, right? Mm -hmm. And some opportunities are not available for whatever reason. You just need to find another way, you know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I saw some barriers, you know, on my, journey through medicine and now in the startup, but the key where where one door is closed, you'll find another door that's open, right? You just have to be, you just have to persevere. You just have to find a way to your goal, keeping your integrity intact, but just find a way to your goal. Um, And then have the courage to just keep going. Even if you, even if you fall, if you fail, you just got, you just get up and you just keep it moving. Right. And, and then once you You know, once you are, um, I think the best thing you can do is just um, the best thing you can do for yourself is not to get mired in the idea that um, I can't move forward because of my race, my gender, you you can't get mired in that you got to figure out a way. To make it happen for yourself, you can't let other people define how you live your life, what you Mm -hmm. achieve, and who you are meant to be. So, 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 you just have to find the strength in yourself to pull it out, and then just break those barriers.
0: That's a word. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: That's a word. You know, because you can't, no matter what. There are, there's, yeah, there is a way. There's always a way. I know mm-hmm. that's what my homies and I we tell each other, and like there is a way. Mm-hmm. And uh, despite everything that's in front of us, um, I arguably would say that this is one of the best times to be alive. Mm-hmm. Um, because shoot, we have so much at our display, we have so much disposal. And also, I think the key thing is my generation, Generation Z, which mm-hmm. I feel like's the best. <laughs> um, it's very, no, 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 it's very um, collaborative. Okay. Um, it's all about collaboration. I think that's one common theme that I've seen because, mm-hmm. you know, we're like, we're really are pretty active of trying to say, hey, while the past has done a horrible number, I think there is time for change. And there is, mm-hmm. there a lot has changed and a lot hasn't changed, but there is an opportunity for us to collaborate and continue to um create something better for the future.
1: Well, I would say this too, you know, with Gen Z, you guys are in a position to define the tone for the future, right? Mm-hmm. So currently there are so many issues that are going to have lasting impacts on your generation. Right. If you look at climate. And now we've just seen with reproductive rights. Yep. There's an increasing financial insecurity for many yep. Americans, mental health. The yep. impacts of social media. Yep. So I, I think you know I, I love the idea of that you know you were saying that sort of collaborative spirit that you have, but it's t- and also just taking the effort to educate yourself about all these issues that are going to have an effect on your life. That's important, and right. then having and using your voice to affect the change that you want is important. But I also right. think what you know the other thing though I think that's important for Gen Z, you know, and is you know part of the awareness about the current issues is also having a really good grasp of history right mm-hmm. the past is like often a mirror to the problems and the preoccupations that like we have today um and it just helps us understand where we are today how we got here <laughs> and then how we move forward without repeating those mistakes right? right and also like just because this was this topic was kind of brought up it's it's interesting because i um I just read this book um, by Umberto Eco called Travels and Hyperreality," And, yeah. uh, you know, it, it, it was kind of, it, it, made, it made me think about uh, some things, like how much of your perception and views of the world around you are a result of how life is also presented to you,
0: right? Mm.
1: So, so, so Umberto Eco is like a medieval historian. He's an Italian polymath, right? And this particular book, Um, You know, he was equating like medieval times are actually very similar to current times. Right. But he he made a commentary that people have lost sort of that interactional feeling of life. And instead, they interpret experiences through the images that are already, you know, created for them. And so Mm -hmm. he used the examples of things like, you know, the wax museums or like Disneyland or something, right? Because they create these landscapes that, they create this fictional reality, but it's usually more detailed than the actual reality. Right. So, so you also, so, so at the end, so you also have to be able to make the distinction of what reality is and what it isn't, right? So I, there's just a lot of awareness and education, I think that needs to happen um you know for for even gen z right just to sort of be able to distinguish you know what is manufactured versus like what is real
0: real yeah, yeah. absolutely you're absolutely correct on that mm-hmm. i remember having a discussion with my um, homeboy up in new york of like what is real um cuz the majority of the time you yeah you're, you're so right cuz the way that how we move is there's so many images there's some so many amount of images whether it's tweets on twitter mm-hmm. instagram pictures instagram stories TikTok, and all that stuff and mm-hmm. a lot of especially after the pandemic mm-hmm. um where people were just housed in and they were just consuming 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 and mm-hmm. now that they're going back into the outside okay hey here's a picture of a story of mine and i'm guilty of it too like yo i'm at this place mm-hmm. but then like you're You're painting your own reality and projecting what something was it is, but -hmm. from your lens, Mm -hmm. but then it's curated. Like, where (laughs) is the opportunity for you to just be in the moment? Right. And that's very challenging because most of the time the world, and especially these social media conglomerates, are really trying to push you to live into their world. And then Mm -hmm. now you're talking about the metaverse and an artificial Mm -hmm. intelligence and Mm -hmm. all that stuff and mm-hmm. i think obviously i'm a big fan of artificial intelligence i'm a tech nerd right and i think mm-hmm. it can be helpful and mindful but then to what degree well you, what you're doing you're doing it in a great degree tracking mm-hmm. um, injury prevention kinesiology injuries and all that stuff with health but now when you're talking about a social aspect where more people are relying to i think the scariest moment for me is the fact that we are rather go ask an alexa who is an AI voice? What the weather is, rather than then going outside and checking the weather for itself. Right, you exactly. outsourced
1: exactly. I was just about to say the same thing. We've outsourced things that we're capable of doing as human beings to, uh, uh, you know, to technology essentially, right? And so for me, I yeah, I'm you know definitely in this uh, tech world now. But I, in my own life, keep a balance. Mm-hmm. I I actually disconnect um, for a good proportion of the day too. You know, and I, that's why, like I said, I spend a lot of time in nature. I spend a lot of time uh, doing things that like, you know, things like meditation or, or sports or whatever. Just, just being in touch with me, Rosie, as a human being, because I, I, I think the experiences, even as a human being, given all of our, uh, you know, imperfections whatever, it's, it's still a really beautiful experience, you know, like even the human mind, like the human mind is pretty special. Like, you know, we don't really live in this Cartesian dualist, dualist universe where, your mind is just physics, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and so there's something really special about it. And I and I think we need to be able to experience that as well, right? And so anyway, uh, we can, This is getting ex- extremely meta. <laughs>
0: Metaphysical, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, but it it is that deep. Yeah, I really wish people understood how deep this is. Mm-hmm. Life is. There's this is philosopher, or not even philosopher, but this investor I used to listen to a lot of, Naval Ravikant. Indubo, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, Nick, you know, yeah. yeah, I like his stuff. Okay, so, yeah. Some of his stuff is probably, I'm like, eh, you're too little yeah. tech bro for me. Yeah, but um, when it comes to the whole... Again, like, you know, life is a... I don't like the way you said life is just a bunch of century images and then you die. I mean, I but understand. like,
1: yeah, I don't know.
0: Life is so much more than, yeah. oh, hey, you're just getting stimulated by like, all this stuff. But it is deep. It is yeah. a connection between the mind, body, and spirit. And we have an opportunity as souls to connect with other people, to mm-hmm. love them well, and to be able to see the beauty of each and every person, the uniqueness and the individuality, and see mm-hmm. how we're able to then like, live. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that I remember, I think Gary V said it. There's the chance of you becoming a human being is like one out of one trillion, mm-hmm. and the way again the mind is like how people's subconscious mind has been hijacked by advertisers and stuff from the outside and telling them that they're not worthy, telling them they're not deserving, telling them that you know I'm better off if I don't exist. Yeah. When it's just like, do you know like the like you don't even we don't I don't know who my great 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 grandparents were. But because of their efforts, I'm now here.
1: Right. Like, and
0: in D, like DNA is literally a genetic code, 100%. and like the fact that Microsoft is like testing and creating new DNA and robotics, and people are trying to put consciousness up to like play God. Yeah. And it's like, yo, you can nerd. do that.
1: We can already do that. Right? There's a lot that we can actually do. There's a lot that you can kind of unlock, you know, just uh, as a human being. And um, and I think, but it takes work, right? right? And I and that's where a lot of people, I feel, you know, just stop, right? Because it, it does take a lot of work. It takes, and it's almost easier to um, it, to get sucked in, like you said, by the advertisers and you know, tech that just kind of hijack your hijack your subconscious, right? And I. And like, and that's something that, that's why, like I said, I disconnect regularly. I, I I think technology is wonderful in a lot of ways and it definitely helps. uh, Like it's definitely helped us in so many aspects of life. And obviously, and like I said, you know, what we're creating, I I think is also going to have such an impact on, on, on human mobility for sure. But at the same time, you know, I, I, feel you have to have a balance like everything in life you have to have a balance right and you have to you have to disconnect too just so that you can stay connected to you who you are so that you can actually experience the beauty of being just a human being in this world I you know like some of the most uh some of you know like some of the most uh I would say um beautiful times are just when like literally, I'm just in nature, you know. Um, like I, where I live, you know, I I live pretty you know, like near the redwoods. I spend a lot of time either running there or just hiking, and you know, um, and there is something about that that uh, I can't even describe the internal peace that it brings and the and just the beauty just like looking around you and just that beauty and just the wonderment of of nature and that only happens because you can disconnect from you know um from all of our technology and then and even like if i'm out on the ocean if i'm you know um on a surfboard just like sitting there in the, the ocean or just riding a wave, like yeah you, you, that experience is that like whatever few seconds is so much better than, than, um, you know, like, um, then I'll Instagram. Yeah, going on Instagram, right? Like, yeah, exactly. I'm glad you I was trying to pull there's so many things I could think of, right? And I'm just trying to think of (laughs) the best thing to pull out. But yeah, like social media, like, I I literally on social media, I'll I'll be honest, like, I, I think I'm down to like, maybe two, three minutes a day in the morning, uh i otherwise i just uh social media for me i just i i've really um i don't know i think maybe after i saw that documentary a a documentary on netflix Mm -hmm. it just made me feel gross inside (laughs) you know i was just like it it, and uh i can't remember the name of that documentary but i think you know what i'm talking about right yeah yeah Yeah. So, so
0: the social dilemma
1: the social dilemma right and so um, now, like for me, I, I'll just uh, spend like two, three minutes and, and really just seeing what my close friends are doing, you know, kind of thing, right? Just because just I want to like, you know, uh, keep up with what they're doing and stuff. But other than that, I, I don't spend too much other time on social media. But I guess I'm going to have to a little bit more now that, you know, it's like sort of the marketing tool right? <laughs> for, <laughs> for everything yeah. that we do as well. So. No,
0: but i think it's it's a, again it comes down to a balance mm-hmm. of how we use it like making sure that we use it it doesn't uses us
1: yeah it's all exactly. about that balance exactly.
0: um but i want to be mindful of your time like we're wrapping up and coming up to an hour mm-hmm. um one i just want to say thank you like this yeah. is so much fun okay. like i know i could talk to you for hours <laughs> um yeah. but my last couple questions for you are kind of mm-hmm. like some Reflective ones. I know my questions have been reflective, but mm-hmm. my first question for you is what are three things that you would tell to 18-year-old Rosie? Oh, gosh.
1: Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's a good question. There's a lot of things that I could tell 18-year-old Rosie. Um, first, but, but yeah, there's there's a few that like stand out. But I, I, I would say, you know, set a goal set an intention don't be rigid in how you achieve them you know i I, i've gone to many of the goals that i've wanted to in life there's still a few more i gotta you know i gotta i gotta knock knock out but i would say almost all of them have taken a different path than i thought Mm. And, and it always ended up being a better outcome than i could have imagined right so and and you know there were times where i would get so disappointed if things didn't work out the way I thought they should, you know, they should work out. But then you realize, Hey, you just need to be a little bit more relaxed about it. Cause as long as you get to your destination, you know what, uh, it, it, it could take a path that leads you down. That's, you know, different, that's okay. And so everything's okay. Um, the second thing, uh, Oh, yeah. Actually, so the second thing would be this maintain your internal balance, no matter the situation or drama of other people around you. Mm-hmm. And when I mean, when I'm talking about internal balance, I'm really talking about like your emotional health, your spiritual health, right? Because that is what gives you clarity about your life. Mm-hmm. And when you're balanced that way, chaotic people or difficult situations are much easier to navigate. Right. And uh, the third, um, the third is like, basically, I would just say, stay positive, even if it's the darkest of times, Yeah. learn the lesson in that situation and evolve because actually, that's the gift. Right. Mm. And I know that now, you know, after years of sort of working, you know, through um, some of my life challenges and and doing the work, doing the reflection, doing the learning. But back then, I didn't necessarily know that, right? So um, I think a difficult situation is a function of your perception of it. But always you can always find the positive and you can always find that lesson. And and that is what allows you to grow and that's what allows you to just get to that next level in your life. So those are the things that I would tell my 18 year old self, but basically just relax, kid. <laughs> that, yeah. That's really that's what I would say.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Wow. That's really good um obviously you're so accomplished your mm-hmm. resume's crazy mm-hmm. what keeps you going
1: Uh what keeps me going you know there's a, there's a few things i guess i i look at life as um uh, just I, I there's so much to do there's so much experience i think because i'm a a curious person I like learning I like adventure so like the world is essentially a pretty big playground right yeah. and there's so much experience there's so many interesting people uh to me I haven't done it all yet right so I, I think that's what kind of keeps me going and also the other thing that keeps me going is I mean you know we've had a pretty heavy uh uh you know, episode today in terms of the topics and the conversation. But I really, for, you can ask, like a lot of my friends, I tend to look at the absurd things in life, where the comedy is in life. I don't look I don't really take myself all that seriously. Right. Mm-hmm. And I like to laugh wherever I can, and just find the humor in situations. You know, even even some of those tough ones, right? Like that's just kind of how I get through it. I just have to laugh about it a little bit and, and find and find the humor. And I so so I think it's those kind of things that just sort of keep me going, right? And, and there's still a lot of stuff to do out there. And uh, you know, um, also I'm an Aries. Hello,
0: Leo. Hello, Leo. That's hilarious. She's an Aries. She keeps going. Okay. I, All right. All right. Question for you is that was <laughs> I'm a. I'm gonna keep going because I'm an Aries. <laughs> All right. My last question for you is, what do you want your, your legacy to be?
1: Wow. Okay. Uh So legacy, I think that's a more meta concept too, right? Um. I dream big and then i figure out how to do it right, right. you know the career that i chose even like sort of a current startup in my role all of that has been with a greater purpose of like helping others helping humanity whatever whatever i can do like i want my life to serve a bigger purpose than just myself like that's just always the way i've been and they're not easy pathways. It's, it's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of perseverance. It's a lot of, again, courage. Like when you, when you don't succeed you have to kind of restart, you know, and, and, and figure it out again. So I hope that I inspire other people to just dream big, break barriers and just be limitless. Like that's what I would want my legacy to be.
0: That's amazing. Wow um this wow rosie i just want to say uh-huh. uh thank you so mm-hmm. much this is the second where i speak life mm-hmm. for my guest. you're a badass mm-hmm. dog. <laughs> <laughs> i'm calling a doctor a badass
1: <laughs> no, I, I love it thank you i'll take it i'll take it no
0: no but um yeah. i am blown away by your curiosity your pursuit for um The vision, the dream, I'm inspired by you. I remember the very first day I met you. You're so humble, your humility. I'm like, well, really? Oh, you're a doctor. Should I tell you doctor? I don't don't know. But then you were so chill about it. Your enthusiasm for life, your ability to continue to go there, to grapple with the hard things, to um, the way that you approach your work and who you are and the detail. Um, I'm super grateful for your presence, super grateful to be able to have spent this time and this energy exchange. Um, I'm, I'm inspired by your commitment your desire to continue to live an authentic life, that continues to push me. I remember when I told, after I had finished the call, I was just telling all my homies, I'm like, I told my mom, I'm like, yo, I just got off the phone with this lady who's a MD, F-A-C-O-S, and, like, student to Stanford, and she was so chill. Because in the way of, like, um, I finished watching this Virgil um, Abloh documentary, one of my favorite designers, mm-hmm. and the way how... His friend talked about him was Virgil. Never, no matter how much he accomplished, Virgil treated everybody the same, yeah. and he didn't put himself above. Mm-hmm. And the same way that in our, in our interaction, like you treated me so well, and in terms of like you know, yeah, I'm a doctor, but like that's not who I am. And that's not what I do. Mm-hmm. And for that, I took that from you, and I want to continue to apply that no matter where, where I am in life. And just having that same attitude, that same grace, that same enthusiasm, and you're also your flexibility and your willingness really to communicate and continue to be transparent and authentic in who you are. So mm-hmm. thank you so much for being such a badass mm-hmm. founder and you just being able to live your life on display um, of true authenticity. So I'm very grateful for this time and your time.
1: Oh uh, Well, thank you, Tanaka. I really enjoyed this. I really enjoyed talking to you as well. And maybe I need to talk to you more often. You're like really just... Uh... Uh, Fluffing up my ego here. (laughs) No, uh, no, no, I I, know I I do like I get that. I just like I have to laugh at everything. But um, but no, I I appreciate everything that you've said. Like, literally, I I'm just moving forward, just being who I am. And you're right. I don't like to define myself by a career choice. I love I love meeting people. I love, uh, you know, interacting with whoever I meet. everything's about energy, right? If we vibe, we vibe, it doesn't matter who you are, what you do, whatever. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot bigger than that, right? So I think um, I and I and just the material things are not that important. The Status stuff is not that important. I'm not taking away from accomplishments, right? Like, you know, there are are accomplishments and, and you need to be proud of them. But it you know, they don't define your core being, right? And so, um so I, I appreciate that all the things you said and you know, and I and and I think what you're doing here, this podcast, I think this is a great idea, having these important conversations. And so, you know, hats off to you for figuring that out at twenty-three and and, and wanting to to do more meaningful uh type of uh, work and have more meaningful type of conversations. So I think that's awesome.
0: Thank you. Okay. I receive that. Right. What can the people find you at? Plug your oh, stuff here.
1: I'll plug my stuff. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, I do have a podcast myself. It's called The Medical Matrix. Uh, and we talk about um, the intersections of medicine and technology and people who are breaking the boundaries in that and and, you know um, so that's interesting we're starting our season three in a couple weeks uh, so uh, come check that out and we're kind of everywhere you can find podcasts Um, I do have an Instagram (laughs) I guess at Dr. Rosie uh, which I have to get better about posting again I used to post (laughs) regularly but I I may start posting a little bit more regularly so if you want to come check that out check it out that's great. And uh, I think, you know, in the next um, little while, um, you know, we'll probably be talking a little bit more about the, the startup as well. And, you know, we'll have, it's Kinesi, but we'll have uh, obviously social media for that. Uh, we're still in our early stages yet, but uh, that's coming soon.
0: <laughs> All right.
1: All right. Thank All right, you.
0: everybody. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for tapping in. Mm-hmm. And we are out. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode. Hope you are able to take something away from this. Until next time, follow Iconic Conversations on Instagram and Tava Multimedia Group on Instagram as well. Share with your friends, family, or anybody else who you think needs this conversation. Until next time, peace.